Today on Hardwired. Verse 8, therefore these plagues will overtake her, Babylon, in a single day. Death and mourning and famine will be completely consumed by fire. She will be. For the Lord God who judges her is mighty. It is beyond dispute, church, that the catastrophe described here has never yet been fulfilled at any time in Babylonian history. This is yet to be fulfilled. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wicklire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're coming down to the final chapters of the incredible revelation that Jesus gave to the Apostle John. And last time we talked about Babylon and how Babylon is going to fall. And actually in the book of Revelation, we're given two types of Babylon. The first type in Revelation 17 is a spiritual Babylon. We talked about the fall of that one last time, and that is the empire of the Antichrist. Spiritual Babylon is going to come crumbling down dramatically. But then in chapter 18, we have physical Babylon, and John is going to predict that there's literally going to be a rebuilt city called Babylon in the last days, and that too is going to crumble and fall. So without any further ado, I can't wait to share part two of the message, Babylon is falling. Let's go. The book of Revelation is so, well, it's long for one thing, 22 chapters. And it's got so much in it that it's really easy to lose track. In chapter 17, you have the Babylonian or the Babylon religious system. But in chapter 18, everybody, you've got a real city that is going to be there during the Great Tribulation. And guess what? Babylon is going to be rebuilt. Babylon. Everybody say, Babel. Right? When you see Babylon, it means confusion confusion. All right. I can't understand you. You can't understand me. It's confusion. And so let's talk a minute about Babylon. Babylon was in Iraq and the book of Nahum took place in Iraq. So Iraq is all through the Bible. It's a very significant place. But guess what? It's the beginning of satanic evil. The beginning of satanic evil was in Iraq because that's where the devil first showed up. So in Iraq, we see the beginning of creation, but in Iraq, we also see the beginning of satanic evil in that place called Iraq. No wonder Iraq is on the world stage like it is. Things began here, and guess what? Things may very well end there. You thought, well, I thought everything was going to end in America because everything's all about America. I don't even find America in Bible prophecy, (laughs) but I find Iraq everywhere. Perhaps this is why such ferocious battles have taken place in Iraq. Now, will Iraq, therefore, flourish again? Yes. And will it play a a key role in end-time prophecy? Yes. Will America 
No, but Iraq will. Many people are unaware of this. Let me give you some facts about modern-day Iraq. In 1983, good old Saddam Hussein started rebuilding Babylon on top of the old ruins, investing in its restoration and its new construction. Now, remember, the Bible said it's got to reappear. Babylon, we're talking about Babylon. It was destroyed centuries and centuries ago. It's got to reappear. Most people don't know Saddam Hussein began rebuilding it. In 1985, he began the task, spending over $500 million to reconstruct the city and build a modern residence on the ruins of Nebuchadnezzar's palace. Because who ruled in Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar. He inscribed his name on many of the bricks in imitation of Nebuchadnezzar. Did you know that Saddam Hussein thought he was a resurrected or reincarnated Nebuchadnezzar? Oh yeah, he did. That's exactly what he thought. One frequent inscription reads, this was built by Saddam Hussein, son of Nebuchadnezzar, to glorify Iraq. He called himself the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody say, that's crazy. But that's who he was identifying with. That's who he thought he was. People think all kinds of weird things these days. This is who he thought he was. He was taken out, but not Babylon. As I speak, plans are underway to rebuild the ancient city of Babylon. I did a little search, and let me tell you what I found. Today, what's called the UN Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization is pumping millions of dollars into Babylon and several other historical sites in Iraq. With the help of private donors, the UN is hoping to turn Babylon into a thriving center of tourism and commerce. Can you imagine? Honey, where do you want to go for vacation this summer? Let's go to Babylon. Can you imagine? But they're wanting to resurrect it to the level that is literally, well, let me read what I found. If everything goes according to plan, Babylon will be a cultural center complete with shopping malls, hotels, and maybe even a theme park. Where'd y'all go for vacation last summer? We went to Babylon. Oh, it was great. We hit that theme park. It was an incredible theme. It put Disney to shame there in Babylon. Can you imagine getting a postcard from your family who are vacationing in Babylon? But that's what's going to happen, folks. We're reading it right here. Remember, there are prophecies in the Bible about Babylon that have not yet been fulfilled. But if the Bible says it, Mark it down, stake your life on it, it's going to happen. Bible prophecy never fails. It's never late, and it, it never falls short of everything, right down to every jot and tittle that it predicted. Joel Rosenberg, in his best-selling nonfiction book, Epicenter 2.0, maybe you read that, wrote about the Bible prophecies in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Revelation, that indicate the ancient city of Babylon in Iraq will in fact be rebuilt in the last days of history and will become the wealthiest and most powerful city on the face of the planet. And that is where Antichrist will have his headquarters. Are you with me? Amen. Well, Pastor Jeff, I'm not interested in Babylon. You ought to be. If you want to chase down some really interesting unfolding prophecy, 
do a search on Babylon. Stay on top of what's going on in Babylon because it's really going to play an end-time prophecy. But God has a word of warning to believers located there in the last days, to tribulation saints that are there in the last days. He commands them, come out of her and flee from the midst of Babylon. And each of you save his life before God destroys Babylon. And I just quoted Revelations 18. John predicts that this great city with its culture and its considerable financial strength is going to be completely destroyed. Now I want you to listen to it. My Bible sees the end of something before the beginning even starts. And here it is. Revelations 18, 4 to 7. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, come away from her, my people. Get out of Babylon, tribulation saints. Get out of there. Don't take part in her sins or you'll be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all of her evil deeds. Now he's going to tell us what Babylon will have done by the time God judges her. She brewed a cup of terror for others, so brew twice as much for her. She glorified herself. She lived in luxury, so match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I'm queen on my throne. I am no helpless widow, and I have no reason to mourn. Now here's what God is saying in those passages. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You always harvest what you plant. Always. You reap what you sow. And God is telling us in 4 through 7 there in chapter 18, Babylon is going to reap what she has sown just before Christ returns. John lays out her doom. Listen to it. Now this, you got to keep in mind, here's a major city, according to some, the major city of the world in the Great Tribulation period. All right? And suddenly this city comes under a ferocious judgment that the whole world witnesses. So let's read about it. Verse 8, Therefore these plagues will overtake her, Babylon, in a single day. Death and mourning and famine will be completely consumed by fire. She will be. For the Lord God who judges her is mighty. It is beyond dispute, church, that the catastrophe described here has never yet been fulfilled at any time in Babylonian history. This is yet to be fulfilled. Three times the expression in one hour. Everybody say, in one hour. Now catch this, in one hour. That's verses 10, 17, and 19. In one hour indicates sudden, in a flash, catastrophic judgment. Like when Sodom and Gomorrah were judged. Bang! Judgment. The final capital will be consumed by fire in a short span of time. Reminiscent of a nuclear inferno. It could be nuclear. We don't know. John sees monarchs, merchants, and sea captains caught up in the Holocaust destruction. Uh, verse 9, And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will wail for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, How terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, there it is again, God's judgment came on you. Now, 
It shows the merchants and the who's who's of the world of commerce wailing over the destruction of this city. Wail in the Greek language means a loud lamentation as opposed to silent weeping. John shows that the impact of Babylon's destruction will reverberate in all the financial markets of the world. There will be a total financial collapse when Babylon, Antichrist's headquarters, is judged. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. Or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Verse 11, the merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there's no one left to buy their goods. She bought great quantities from them of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, cloth, things made of fragrant wood, ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood and bronze, iron, and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine. Do you see that this final reappeared city of Babylon is going to have been purchasing like crazy from all the major merchants of the world? The world economy was dependent on this city before Christ returns. But something interesting is mentioned at the end. Fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and of slaves, the bodies and souls of men. Now, those are disturbing words if you stop and think about it, because what is it saying? It's saying that there's going to be a lot of slavery during the Great Tribulation period. Slavery and the souls of men. The souls of men. It's been estimated that one-third of Rome's population was enslaved in ancient Rome. It wasn't unusual for 10,000 human beings to be auctioned off in one day. Can you imagine that? 10,000 human beings auctioned off in one day in ancient Rome. There were probably over 60 million slaves in ancient Rome who were treated like pieces of furniture, bought and sold, used and abused. Now, is John suggesting that there will be, in the end times, a return to slavery? Maybe not in the ancient sense, but with sex trafficking and other forms of modern-day slavery, which is everywhere, right under your nose, this may not be too far-fetched at all. With tyranny comes the devaluation of life, and tyranny will be the order of the day in the Great Tribulation. Tyranny. I know this is not upbeat and jump up and shout and hallelujah, this is really cool, but the Bible told us this for a reason. The Bible wants us to know this for a reason, all right? So it's going to be a terrible time period. That's why the time to get saved is now, because you can get saved during the Great Tribulation, but this is what you're going to be surrounded by. No, thank you. 
I will not get on that bus. Right? And also, as people become more enslaved to luxury, with more bills to pay, they find themselves unable to break loose from the system, which may well be the meaning here, the beast system. Their literal souls are enslaved to this godless, satanic world order. It doesn't take much imagination to conceive of a universal enslavement under the rule of the beast. We've already seen that he's gonna require the mark of the beast on every hand or forehead, Revelations 13, 16 to 17, and he also demands that all people worship his image, all right? So that's slavery. You know, if you wanna be a part of the system, you gotta get marked. And if you get marked, you're sold out to the system. And if you're sold out to the system, you're damned. And all kinds of bad things happen to anybody with this mark, all right? So Antichrist is gonna take advantage of the people's appetites, according to verse 14 of chapter 18. And he's gonna use their appetites to enslave them. He says in verse 14, the ripe fruits and the delicacies for which your soul longed are gone from you. And all your luxuries and dainties, your elegance and splendor are lost to you, never again to be recovered or experienced. What God gives, God can take away. Boy, could I say some things about our country right now, but I'm gonna hold back. I'll say this much. Are we watching the things that were given to us being taken away from us? Oh, my friend, that's why the Bible is so relevant because it tells us the way God operates. It tells us the way God functions. It tells us the things God judges. It tells us the things God blesses. And people tend to think for some reason, well, not America. America's you know, land of the free, home of the brave. It's God's special land. Can I tell you something? It is not God's special land. No. Was it dedicated to Christ at its beginning? Yes. But read your Bible. We weren't God's special people like Israel or like Judah, and God did not hesitate one minute to judge them when they refused to repent. And if God judged Judah and took them into 70 years of captivity, if he judged Israel, the 10 northern tribes, and they've been dispersed throughout the world, and they never did regather? Do you think America, for some reason, is special? No. Look at God says in Jeremiah 8:13 about his own people. I will surely consume them. There will be no more harvest of figs and grapes. Their fruit trees will all die. Whatever I gave them will soon be gone. I, the Lord, have spoken. When God blesses you with something, you walk with God if you want to keep it. Amen? Because let me tell you, whatever you choose over God, whatever you choose over God, you will one day lose or grow to hate. Whatever you place in the throne of your heart above God, I guarantee you, whatever idol you pick, it can be a person, it can be a job, it can be a career, it can be yourself, it can be money, it can be anything. But whatever you choose to place first in your life over God, You'll either grow to hate it or you'll one day lose it. Mark it down. But if you put Jesus first in your heart, you're not ever going to lose him. Amen. Amen? That's right. John predicts horror on the part of those who traded with this resurrected Babylon. 
Verse 15, the dealers who handled these articles, who grew wealthy through their business with her, will stand a long way off in terror of her doom and torment, weeping and grieving aloud and saying, Alas, alas, for the great city that was robed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, bedecked and glittering with gold, with precious stones and with pearls, because in one single hour all the vast wealth has been destroyed, wiped out. And all ship captains and pilots, navigators, and all who live by seafaring, the crews and all who ply their trade on the sea stood a long way off and exclaimed as they watched the smoke of her burning, what city could be compared to the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and as they wept and grieved, exclaiming, woe and alas for the great city where all who had ships on the sea grew rich through her extravagance from her great wealth in one single hour, she has been destroyed and become a desert. All those who profited from Antichrist's brief reign will mourn the fall of his system. Because what we're watching here in the fall of Babylon is the fall of Antichrist's whole world system. It's collapsing. It's collapsing. It's collapsing. But these merchants, they're selfish. They're not really grieving over Babylon's pain. They're grieving over their own loss. Man, our, our source of income, it's biting the dust right in front of us. Boo-hoo-hoo, cry me a river. And they don't care about Babylon, just what they're losing. Then John reveals why this destruction has befallen as we come to the close. Revelations 18, 20. Rejoice and celebrate over her, O heaven. O saints, people of God, and apostles and prophets, because God has executed vengeance for you upon her. And in her was found the blood of prophets and the blood of saints and of all those who have been slain and slaughtered on earth. Do you remember the souls of the martyred saints that were underneath the altar way back in, I think, Revelation 6? And they were crying out for vengeance. How long, Lord, before you avenge? our lives on those who murdered us just because we stood for you? How long will it be before you avenge us? This is it right here, the judgment of Antichrist's kingdom because it was his kingdom that martyred those people and now it's collapsing in front of the eyes of the world. Something can look very strong one day, church, and be nothing the next day. Amen? A mighty angel appears next to pronounce six terrible never agains over Babylon, and we're almost done. Let's read it, Revelations 18, 21. Then a single powerful angel took up a boulder like a great millstone and flung it into the sea, crying with such violence shall Babylon, the great city, be hurled down to destruction. Here's the first never again, and never again be found. Never again be found. This time when Babylon bites the dust, it's for good. Verse 22, the sound of harpists and minstrels and flute players and trumpeters will never again be heard in you. No more joy ever again in that city. And no skilled artisan of any craft will ever again be found in you. You're not gonna produce anything else ever again. And the sound of the millstone shall never again be heard in you. Commerce and any kind of an economy and work will never happen again in that city. And never again shall the light of a lamp shine in you, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall never be heard in you again. No more marriages, no more families, no more nothing. It's all gone. 
for your businessmen were the great and prominent men of the earth, and by your magic, spells, and poisonous charm, all nations were led astray, seduced, and deluded. You get that? Babylon was steeped in witchcraft. The Babylon that will be judged was steeped in witchcraft. And by the witchcraft of Babylon, the whole world would be seduced and deluded. At this point in Revelation, the political and the economic system of the beast has been totally destroyed. All that remains is for Jesus Christ to come from heaven and personally meet and defeat the beast and his armies. And that's what's next. Jesus comes back. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.